Welcome to the Present and Sober podcast with your hosts, Sam Goldfinch and Ellie Crow. If you want to make your life bigger, not smaller, then this is the podcast for you. If you can sense that you're destined for more and you're curious about how drinking could be holding you back, listen in and come on this journey with us. Through the interplay of mind and body practices, we will help you elevate your daily life and discover the wonder and potential of going alcohol free. Let's make life bigger together. Um, I didn't share this earlier, but I'll share it now. I mean, I, I mentioned I have two brothers that are, you know, actively in AA. I've had two sisters that have succumbed their lives to to addiction, and, and one from alcohol and one from food. And I want to do this because for them and for their children and for their grandchildren, for all of my nieces and nephews, for my friends, their family, their children. Hey team, this week, Ellie and I are welcoming our really great friend Linny McGiven to the show. And this is so exciting because we met Linny in the world of This Naked Mind. And I'm not going to give too much away because Linny just gives her such a wonderful breakdown of her story. It's so inspirational, her story to, to becoming alcohol free. And um, it's just such a wonderful example of how with the right community and outlook and container, we can very, very quickly come to a place in life where we're not just well we haven't just stopped drinking but where we're truly free in both a time frame um and in and to a degree that a lot of people out there maybe don't even know is possible so that's why that's why we wanted to get Linny on because she's an absolute inspiration and she's going to make waves she's also got a really cool announcement that she makes at the end of the podcast so make make sure you hang around for that okay without further ado i'll hand you over to me ellie and Linny. see you there Hello, lovely listeners. Now, this is really exciting. We've got Linny McGiven with us. And this is look, this is exciting because how me and Ellie met Linny is within a This Naked Mind path group. So we've got had the absolute pleasure and joy of getting to know Linny over the course of the last, what is it, eight months, nine months? Uh, and, we're into, yeah. yeah, eight months. Yeah, and it's been an absolute pleasure. And um, yeah, so before... Before I let Linny go wild and tell us her awesome story, um, I also want to draw attention to something absolutely brilliant today, which is that Ellie Crow's <laughs> voice has disappeared. Why don't you say hello, Ellie, Ellie Crow? Well, hello. <laughs> Husky McCusky. It's just so good. So Sam has had a gift bestowed upon him, as have my children, because... Chester Chester got up at four o'clock this morning looking for his iPad, and I'm shouting at him. This is what was coming out. So... So I might be very quiet on this episode, um, but I'm thrilled to have Linny here because it's been a real, it's been wondrous to see her journey on the path. And she's got some really exciting personal, personal slash professional news to share. I'm not going to break cover on that because I did that in the path, <laughs> outed her in the path. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a real joy. So I'm super thankful to have you here, Linny. Awesome. Welcome, buddy. Well, thank you both very much. I could not be more thrilled to be talking to you in this space. You both individually and collectively are part of my journey. I mean, you have been instrumental on a daily basis, you and my other coaches, um, to this moment right here. So thank you. It's it's my privilege to be here. And I look forward to um Every time I get to see you guys uh, in a coaching call or on a FAQ, it's just awesome. That's so lovely to hear. And um, yeah, the feeling is mutual, pal. It really is. So, hey, 
we are so excited to hear your story because, you know, as coaches in the path, one thing we haven't experienced is, is the path from your side of the fence, right? And we know it's an incredible thing, but we would love to hear what it was like at the beginning, like what's happened for you through that. And then we're going to, you know, basically come full circle on this with something super exciting. So make sure you hang around for that. So, you know, where makes sense to start, buddy? Is it, is it when you join the path? Do you want to give us a little bit of info about how you made that decision or start where, sure. where it makes sense? I, I'll give you just kind of a quick background of how I arrived in my 55 years that actually I just turned this week. So, um, you know, I I grew up um, one of 11 children in a big Irish Catholic family and um, alcohol was taboo. I mean, from the very beginning, we were raised, um, don't drink. You know, our father had a real fear and a legitimate fear. He he was raised, um, my grandfather, whom I never met, um, was for all intents and purposes, an alcoholic. I don't subscribe to that term myself anymore. Um, but he, we grew up fearing alcohol. We were not permitted to drink. And if we did, you know, we paid the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. And so there was a healthy fear there. Um, I probably took my first real drink when I was 14 in the eighth grade. Growing up with older siblings, I was kind of in the middle of the pack or the oldest of the second half, as my mom would have said. Um, Having older siblings, you know, you had access to alcohol because even though it was the forbidden fruit, of course, we all wanted to try it, right? Because when parents say you don't do that, what do you do? Sure. You're curious, right? Um, And I can remember like it was yesterday, an older sibling, and I won't reveal their name, um, who provided me um, a bottle of Jack Daniels uh, to take to a birthday party when I was 14, an overnight party. And I can just remember just being the cool kid that showed up with that and, um, you know, all of us getting sick the next day. So that was kind of the beginning of the beginning. <laughs> then I moved into high school. I was a student athlete, again, super fearful of my father and remained fearful of him <laughs> until probably the last decade, honestly, and both kind of out of reverence as well as, you know, just the way that I was raised. High school was a great time. A lot of people can't say that. I had a wonderful high school experience uh, and still have the most amazing friends. In fact, a pack of them are coming up this next week. And we've been out of high school almost 40 years. So it's pretty special. Yeah. You know, dabbled a little bit in high school. Again, I had an older sibling in high school. And so it was kind of like, hey, you're going to drink because I'm drinking. So if I get in trouble, then you get in trouble kind of a thing. And so there was some shared experience there, Um, but I didn't drink much in high school. Again, I I was really busy doing my, my studies and trying to please my father. I spent a a lot of my life as a child and into my adult life, trying to impress my father. Uh, He was a very, uh, is still by the grace of God, still alive. Um, a very successful person, very driven person uh, with limited education, formal education. And so I always thought of him as a, a really strong role model. Um, but also, I was a girl and I had six brothers and there, there were six boys, five girls. And there was a real difference in how we were treated. And not disrespectfully, there was just different expectations. And... The, the expectation of the boys 
made me want to be a boy. I was like, I, I want to be looked at in that way. So I really kind of led my life to, to impress my father like the boys did. And uh, so move on from high school into college, um, went to a private Catholic college and played sports again. It was super intense academically. I partied, but not a whole lot. I mean, the, the demand of doing well in sports and not getting in trouble, not getting kicked off the team was super important. And so moved out of college, obviously graduated, went into my professional life, had a wonderful group of friends and drinking was really kind of just social and it was fun. It was super fun. I mean, it wasn't something that um, I used um, to cope with life. It was just part of, you know, going out on a Friday night. And I, I remember having a, a couple of really close friends. And this is humorous for me to think about now where, you know, three or four of us would buy a 12 pack and we would split it, you know, so that was three or four beers each. And, you know, fast forward, that was just warming up when I got to drinking, you know. Um, but uh, go through uh, college, have a lot of fun, get out of college, you know, social drinking, drinking was just part of what we did. It wasn't anything um, that I had to have. It was just part of life. You know, you go to a sporting event or you go to a concert and you drink, um, kind of move on, got into some relationships where drinking was a little bit more prevalent. Um, and I had a funny little joke I used to tell my mom. Uh, gosh, if I ever start drinking wine, that means I'm old. Well, guess what? I got old pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Because guess what? Wine makes you feel a little funny, a little quicker, right? So, you know, fast forward, you go from beer to wine. Um, and then as I've been in this program, and, and this will come full circle, I have gone back and reflected a lot as much as I could to remember experiences back when I was in you know, high school, college, and after college. Um, and now that I have the knowledge of, of how alcohol works in our body, I can go back and start to, re I can remember things that occurred along the way that now make a lot of sense. One specifically, and this was kind of in my high school days where I really didn't drink a lot, but when I did, I was that girl in the back seat that was crying. You know, we had a couple of beers, but I, a song would come on and I would get all emotional and kind of sad and depressed. And it was always kind of in and around a boy who always liked my best friend or something like that. But I, I remember crying a lot, drinking alcohol. And so again, we'll come back to that. But as I moved into more of my adult life and decided um, I wanted more of my education, I was an, I was a physical therapist, actually, that was my undergraduate degree. And then I went on to law school because I wanted that punishment, I guess. Um, and really something interesting about going to law school, we had this orientation and I find this really fascinating now. I, I, I was kind of perplexed by it when it was happening, but during the orientation process, we had three different lawyers come and speak with us about substance abuse as part of our orientation, because there's a high prevalence of substance abuse in the legal field. And, you know, they would come in and give a talk and we'd all go out and drink and talk about the talk. It was super interesting. And now I have a, a better appreciation of that. But, you know, that was 
um, almost, well, it's almost 23 years ago. And so, I mean, that was kind of, kind of interesting for me to kind of go back and reflect upon that. Um, got out of law school, um, started working in a little bit more intense environment and the, my, my drinking changed. It was more, more, it was also, it was social, but I could kind of see myself as I've gone back to reflect on how I used alcohol in my life. I was using it to cope with feelings that I just didn't want to feel. Um, I went through the whole um, relationship thing and, and describing who I was as a person. I had dated a lot of different people, um, raised Catholic. Of course, it was, you know, taboo not only to, to drink in our family, but you were raised to, you know, marry the opposite gender and have children and move on and have a happy, healthy life. Um, I discovered that I was gay as, as a um, probably in my mid to late 20s. And that was a, a pinnacle moment of my life that really was very scary and was something that was very painful, especially with my relationship with my father. And so uh, reflecting back, I, I know I used alcohol to try to cope with not being good enough and not being the person that my parents thought that they had raised. Um, I obviously have come through that on the other side um, but as life kind of continued, um, again, I could see as my stressors in life got more intense, my drinking got more intense. And I wasn't a daily drinker at all. Um, and of course, that doesn't matter. I, you know, I used to think, like many, you know, people that have alcohol problems drink alcohol all the time. Um, but the way I drink it, as I've been able to reflect back, it was just not a healthy thing for me to do. I was spending, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, relaxing. And that's what I would call it. You know, I would tell whomever I was with. And most recently, my I, I'm married and my, I would tell my, my wife, I'm going to go relax. And she knew what that meant. And that was always kind of a, a defense mechanism. I wanted to escape. And I, I didn't really want to be with anybody. I wanted to go into my space. And sometimes that was my office. Sometimes that was the bathtub. Sometimes it was outside. And I just wanted to drink. And I didn't want anybody to bother me. And just let me do my thing. Um, so that continued. And, you know, the, the fallout of that, I had many instances um, not remembering you know, drinking enough to pass out. Sometimes I've had a horrible sleeper my whole life. Um, you may have heard me joke about this on the path, but, you know, I've, I've tried all these different things to help myself sleep, including purchasing a very expensive sleep number bed. And by the way, it wasn't the bed that was the problem. It was what alcohol was doing in my system at 3 a.m. Um, so some $10,000 later, I learned that, but hey, it's still a pretty comfortable bed. Nonetheless, um, but going through, you know, relationships and, um, you know, going on vacations and, you know, you're all inclusive and getting hammered and not knowing what you did the night before was, I wouldn't say a, an everyday thing, but it was, you know, one time was too frequent and it was more than one time um, where I would have these moments of blackout or brownout and, um how I would discover that they happened, uh, in particular in the last um, you know, 12 years of my marriage, 
would be I would roll over and nobody's in the bed with me. I was like, oh shit. What did I do last night? Because my spouse is no longer here, which meant she didn't either, you know, feel comfortable or just did not want to have anything to do with me. And then to get up and have to deal with that fallout in the morning and, you know, walking on eggshells. Um, and I, I'm so grateful. She's been extremely forgiving um, and has loved me through all of this. And it's not been easy. And I was, I wouldn't say I was in denial that I had an interesting relationship about alcohol. Um, I just didn't really want to, to face it kind of a thing. Again, I think kind of out of fear. And, you know, I had been in other relationships where, in, in particular, one relationship where the individual was an active member of AA. And I probably should have started back with that. Um, and I had gone to some meetings with this individual because I wanted to know, and this was well, well before I thought I had a, a you know, um, an interesting relationship with alcohol. But going into that environment, I can remember distinctly the first time I went to a meeting to support this individual I'm listening to all these stories and the tears just roll down my face and I'm like I'm no different than these people you know and then there was this just fear like holy crap I'm an alcoholic or am I kind of a thing and then I went into these meetings and I, I never felt comfortable I did it for quite a while in fact I joined AA um, and got a sponsor. And a lot of people don't know that. They'll be learning that for the first time. And, and that's all well and good. Um, but I never really felt like I fit into that cult. And that's the word that I use. And it's nothing against that program. I have two brothers that are actively involved in AA. And I'm very proud of both of them. They have multiple years of sobriety. And that program has done them both wonders but I don't think that they have what I have. And we'll circle back to that as well. Um, but I do remember that just distinctly of this is, this is interesting, but this doesn't work for me. And I, I didn't drink for quite a, quite a bit of time. I think over a year, um, I just embraced this. I'm not going to drink. And I've done that a couple different times in my life. Um, one time I, you know, I, well, multiple times I gave it up for Lent, right? Don't chew your fingernails and don't drink alcohol for 40 days. That was always good. And you white knuckle through it, you know, and, you know, the minute, um, Lent was over, which wasn't Easter Sunday, it was actually Holy Thursday. And so you can drink and then, you know, you're drinking on good Friday. Well, that was a lot of interesting times in my life. Um, so, I mean, we're kind of I'm going into the story. I really kind of want to transition to where I am now. Um, last December, I went for my annual just check-in with my physician. And, you know, you're going through the, do you, the, you know, how much do you drink? And my answer was too much. And, you know, the provider kind of chuckled. And it's like, no, really, how much do you drink? I said, I drink too much. I mean, I don't know what, what answer you want, but I know I drink too much. And he could not have been more empathetic in that moment and um, never really dressed anything. We did my blood work and he handed me a series of paperwork uh, that had a lot of different alternative um, healthcare 
providers on there, things including yoga, CBD, and then page three was this alcohol experiment. And um, yeah, and it was just super interesting. And I just took it all and took it all in. And this was like kind of the latter part of uh, the, like right around December 20th, right? And so we go into the holiday and I'm just kind of thumbing through it. And I had done sober January before. And I just happened to kind of look at that and I logged on, um, you know, Google, what is this live alcohol experiment? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to give it a whirl, you know, because I've done dry January. I know I can go 30 days. Heck, I can go 365 days without drinking. But why not kind of give this a try? So I ordered the book and decided, hey, I'm going to do this 30 days with the whole intent of I'm going to learn to moderate because when I just have a couple of drinks, I'm fine. I know I'm not going to piss anybody off. I'm not going to upset my spouse and I'm not going to waste the next day, you know, feeling hungover. So I get my book and I'm getting ready to, to really die full steam ahead. And New Year's Eve, I decide, well, I'm going to go out like a bang. <laughs> so I uh, drank um, plenty on New Year's Eve. And it was just me, myself, and I, because my spouse and be I don't want to be around you. You know, she'd gone into her room and I watched the ball drop on TV and partied myself to to sleep and woke up the next day all right i'm gonna do the live alcohol experiment so here we are i do the live alcohol experiment and we start um getting into the science of how alcohol works in the brain and i was like okay this makes sense and i could not get enough i was like fast forwarding i read the whole book like during week one I listened to every live, every video, you know, multiple times. And, you know, being an academic person, uh, the science piece just was hook, line, and sinker. I, it made sense to me. And I started to really look at how alcohol had impacted my life from, you know, the decades that I had drank. And the one thing that it did for me immediately that gave me, I think, the grace to go forward was learning that it wasn't about me as the human. There wasn't anything inherently bad about Lenny. There was something inherently addictive about alcohol. And that gave me a great sense of peace because I had beat myself up. I had been beaten up by others who don't have the knowledge of, of what addiction is and how it's not the human that it is the substance. So that gave me a, a sense of a lot of self-forgiveness that I had carried that had manifested itself um, in eating disorders. And, and Sam, we, we, we share some things that you have opened up sure. about that. And um, just the the anxiety and, and self-hatred that I had, thinking that I, Lenny, was inherently flawed because I couldn't drink like a normal person. Um, I was able to get a lot of clarity around during that live alcohol experiment. There's um, just, just to raise, just to say something to this, Lenny, because it's such a powerful point, whatever journey people are on, be it a journey with this naked mind, be it a journey with present and sober, be it a journey with AA, wherever 
this isn't going to be the case for everybody, but the power of learning the science and the patterns is that because we're seeing everything through our own lens, there are things going on that don't look like science, that don't look like withdrawal. For example, it might not look like every four days or something when you're when your mind's going, oh well, one would be okay. But we because we don't consider that that may be coming from a drug leaving our system, we think it's us. So, and because we live through our filter and we don't have awareness of those biases and what's going on, we don't see that. So the moment we learn the science, the moment we get a picture of what's going on from outside of ourselves, and we get to see at the body level, at the substance level, at the level of how the drug works. Actually, a lot of the, a lot of what you said is crazy. Things, amazing things can happen. Shame can fall away because in an instant we can realize, oh fuck, it's not me. It's not me. Like I'm, not, I'm not like broken. I'm not. There's nothing wrong with how my body or mind is reacting to this thing. So I just wanted to point that out because I think that's so powerful to know. And it's not going to be the golden ticket for everybody. But if you are on an alcohol-free journey and you haven't looked into and educated yourself about the science of alcohol and how, what it is doing and what it isn't doing, go do that. Go do that because it, it may just open levels of understanding and freedom to you that you you literally just don't know that's possible. So please do carry on, Lenny, but I just wanted to, it's just a, yeah. such a powerful point. I wanted to talk to it. I, I could not agree more. And I, I didn't know anything about what it did from a scientific perspective. All I know is that it made me feel better in the moment. It, it soothed my fear. It soothed my anxiety. At least I thought, right. When we, when we go to unpack that, um, I, I now know differently, but I went through the alcohol experiment and I couldn't get enough. And at the end of that 31 days or 30 days, there were some options of, Hey, if you want to take this a little bit further, um, there's this program called the path. And I was like, sign me up. <laughs> I mean, uh, there was just no, no question about it. Um, because moderating just did not make sense to me anymore. Um, and that 30 days really wasn't hard. I was actually really kind of proud about it. And, you know, everybody just, oh, okay, she's just doing dry January. And I really didn't know what I was doing. All I knew was that I wasn't drinking and I was learning along the way. And then when I got into this path, um, my mind was just blown in the sense that, okay, I am healing. I am learning. I I can be something different. And as we started to move through that, now I've been in this program a little over eight months now, um, but I could not get enough of it. And I decided early on in January, um, even through the live alcohol experiment, I was like, okay, self-help and taking care of this issue is going to be a priority for me. And by issue, I mean, I, I didn't know that it really was so much more than alcohol. And, and we'll talk about that here, I'm sure. I mean, alcohol led me here or my relationship with alcohol led me here, but what I've been able to unpack and address far exceeds alcohol. Alcohol was, you know, one little tiny piece, you know, that I was using to, to mask all this other stuff that was going on. Uh, but I made it a priority. And so I, I put the lives and the FAQs on my calendar I carved out time in my day and it has extended my work day. You know, sometimes I work from seven to 9 PM um, to accommodate jumping on a call. So I, I made it a priority. I didn't ask. I said, I, 
I would be forgiven later. So if anybody current employers are going to be watching this, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> but what I submit is that doing this has made my entire life better. I am a better employee. I'm a better manager. I, I my life is better. And um, there's so the reason it's so much better is I made this a priority. I I dove into everything. I've done the work and being a part of something greater than me to help heal and, and understand all the reasons that I was using alcohol. And that was probably one of the most powerful exercises that we kicked off in this path. Um, and, and actually we did it in the alcohol experiment as well is listing all the reasons why I drink. Yeah. And then yeah. listing all the reasons why I wanted to stop. And they were mirror images of each mm -hmm. other. And by and large, they were mirror images of each other. You know, I, I drink to relieve stress. Drinking makes me stressed. I drink because I have anxiety. Drinking created other anxiety. But I have regularly revisited my whys and it's super powerful. And, you know, if I would give one piece of advice to anybody that's listening to this, do that exercise, write down all the reasons you drink and all the reasons why you may want to stop. And I bet you'll find a lot of commonality there. Yeah. It's, it requires a bit of courage because often, particularly people that haven't been in, um, kind of a, a very progressive and science-based approach they may be afraid to actually sit down and write down all the ways they think alcohol is serving them. It makes sense, right? Like if I sit down and make this list of all the ways I think alcohol is kind of good, then surely I'm going to get wrapped up in that. But the truth is, you know, we don't drink for the reasons that we don't drink. We drink for the reasons that we do. Now, the moment we look at those in the cold light of day and can actually piece by piece realize that they're not true or that actually they appear true here, but how can that be the case? Because I've got this contradictory statement sat right by it, like you're saying, Linny. Um, that's the courage. That's the bravery. Because if you, the moment those things move away, things look really different. Because if at a conscious or a, if at a conscious or subconscious level, if we believe that something is good for us, in air quotes, then it's going to make sense for us to carry on doing that. The moment those things start falling away, different things will make sense to us. So. For anyone who's listening to Linny and thinking, really? Like it's it's yeah, it's really powerful. And that fuel of moving away from the pain that you know that tank will run out. Like great and, and we should be grateful for that because we heal, we move away from the pain. But actually, Linny, what you're pointing to is then having this extra tank of fuel, which you know the path works with a lot to kick in that's renewable that isn't mm. gonna run out. So you don't end up continually going back to kind of we never go back to where we started, but it can feel like that. So yeah, what a great, that, that's great. I agree with that completely. And and people that I think have a huge success, um, one thing that they all have in common is that they are deeply attached to their why and their intention and they continually check in with it. And the fact that you saw that, I have no doubt, is the deepest reason for this incredible opening that you've had happen in your life. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's something that I encourage others to do um, in our community. Um, good, bad, or indifferent. I have a lot of uh, friends that I've connected with, um, you know, for 
whatever reason and they're asking for just additional support. And that's always the first thing I say is, all right, well, let's go back to your whys, you know, and, and it does open things up. And sometimes those whys are put right back in front of us, you know, on a periodic occasion. Um, but nonetheless, it, it is just, um, it's so amazing. This program for me, and I think for many, many others, it just allows you to break that, that vicious cycle. I mean, you just mentioned that we don't go back to exactly where we came from and that, I, I would say it, yes, but there are a lot of very similarities that, you know, the behavior is very predictive, right? If you, if we drink alcohol, we know we're not going to have a restful night's sleep. We know it can increase our anxiety, increase our fear. And then we know it takes a certain amount of time for it to leave the body. And then we start all over again. And it may be a slightly different experience, but what this program has done for me is to really unpack the science, which was for me, for me, just the the pinnacle piece that got me to to see that I'm not flawed, and then that gave me the ability to start looking at all the other stuff, and particularly the thoughts. Go ahead. Sam. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'd love to know about that, and I'm sure Ellie would as well. The I'm speaking for her with her their funny voice right now, but that shift from this is about alcohol. And I'm going to work on that to then the opening of the, oh, actually, this isn't like that's the tip of the iceberg. It's it's over there. It's over there. Was there a specific moment that you could put a finger on or did it feel like a kind of an evolution and a falling away or a, or a shift in understanding over time? For, for me, I think it was just evolutionary. It was like, OK, I've removed the substance and my body started to heal. You know, I'm physically feeling better. I'm sleeping better. I'm thinking more clearly. Um, and, and when I say that, it wasn't as though I was living in this clouded space. I was just distracted. I mean, when you're chronically fatigued and chronically dehydrated and chronically malnourished, your brain just doesn't function as well. Yeah. And so when, when I removed the alcohol, increased my water intake, I mean, I feel like a fish. I mean, I drink so much water, which is fantastic. And you, you, your body just, that energy that we create inside that healthy energy it just gave me the ability to start thinking more clearly whether i was thinking about our lesson on the path or if i was doing something work related or even in just a conversation with somebody in my family i was physically more present and that just kind of started to happen and it just got better and better and better and I can honestly say as I stand here before you or sitting here before you that it is amazing to have just a clear head all the time. And even on your shittiest day, because we're going to have shitty days, whether you drink or not. I mean, you're still going to wake up sometimes in a bad mood or somebody's going to upset you or you're going to have some stressors. All I can say is that I am so much better equipped to handle that now and to process it and to think about it for what it is. And, you know, learning that our thoughts are just so powerful and these neural pathways that we have developed throughout the years of this chronic um, ill thought or, you know, the lies that we told ourselves or the habits that we created and to go and learn, wow, we can undo that. And this is how you do it step by step by step 
And that has just been um, incredibly powerful. Yeah, I mean, it can seem like, I think a lot of people, they're like, oh, this is some seriously bad news. Like my brain's changed. I've got these neural pathways. I've got these repeated, you know, these pathways in my mind. But actually, actually, when we learn about how it works, the wonderful thing about that is, yes, literally your brain protein will shift according to your beliefs, right? But, 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 but the amazing thing about that is that you can follow that back home and you can literally create a different reality. Because as you say, Lenny, we're living through our lens 100% of the time, our thoughts, our beliefs, all of that stuff, conscious, subconscious. So the moment you start just using that paintbrush to paint a different picture, it might take a little while, but it doesn't take long. And suddenly then you're literally inhabiting a new reality. You look around you and you're like, oh my goodness me, like, is this real? Is it possible? It's kind of like your head comes out of the, you know, the the goldfish bowl and you're like, oh my goodness. It's it's wild. It's literally inhabiting a new reality. And and I and I think that's why I love there's so much hope in what you're saying. And there's such a powerful message because for many people, it can feel impossible at the beginning. Or it or they might not even know what they're looking at. They might not know what's possible. I don't I think hearing listening to you share, I don't know if you did really. And here I you are. No, yeah, no, I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, I, I have been given things, A, that I didn't know I needed and I didn't know existed. I mean, yeah. at, through this process, I have just gained a perspective and an appreciation of things that, that were never top of mind for me. And, and it, it's really hard to explain and it's hard to put my finger on it. But that's also, I think, kind of the magic of it is that it just happened. I mean, I shared the other day, it happened to have been on my birthday, but I'm genuinely experiencing what I firmly believe is just pure, true joy mm -hmm. that I don't think I ever had. And I, and I was sharing this with my wife the other day and she's like, well, that makes me sad. I said, well, no, I, I don't be sad about it. And, and I think where she was coming from was We've had a lot of good moments. Haven't you had some joy in there? And, and of course they had, but I, to really feel it in my core, like existing in this place of peace and contentment and, and, and not have to think about it. Yeah. it. It's, it's been the biggest gift that I've been given. And, and I know that, like I said, there'll be days where it, life happens but I now have a toolbox to deal when life happens. And, and one of the, the greatest things that I remind myself and others now is I now know better. And when I know better, I can do better. Mm -hmm. And that's why I am, I'm on a mission to share this experience with anybody who will hear me out. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why as I've gone through this PATH program, you know, it became abundantly clear. I want to be like my coaches. I want to be a coach. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been a coach my whole life. I mean, I just kind of come from a, a team mentality. Being one of 11 kids, it was easy to do. And and in my professional life, you know, I, I happen, you know, to coach my, my clients. Um, I coach my team. And it just made sense. I want to continue this. And so um, I prayed a lot about it and, and got that opportunity um, to evaluate whether or not this Naked Mind coaching program would want 
good old Lenny to, to get educated. And um, I could not be more excited to share that I am going to be starting the coaching program here in a few Ooh. short weeks. Oh. And um, it's just the beginning of something that I truly feel that I'm being called to do. I look at this opportunity for me to change generations of beliefs on a go forward basis. Um, I didn't share this earlier, but I'll share it now. I mean, I, I mentioned I have two brothers that are, you know, actively in AA. I've had two sisters that have succumbed their lives to, to addiction and, and one from alcohol and one from food. And I want to do this because for them and for their children and for their grandchildren, for all of my nieces and nephews, for my friends, their family, their children, because it's just so important that the, the attention that our culture has given alcohol and it being, you know, so acceptable and it being, you know, one of the most highly addictive drugs, that conversation needs to change. And I am hell bent on being part of that conversation. And I could not be more excited to, to continue to learn on how best I can relay this message um, again to anyone who will listen. I, you know, they, we talk about not evangelizing. I'm not afraid to evangelize. I, you know, I am careful on on how I do that. But people are starting to ask questions. People are wanting a little bit more of, hey, what what are you doing over here? Um, and. I cannot be more excited to be a part of this. This is a, a, a revolution that I want to sign my name to. And I, I've not been, especially being one, uh, you know, a member of the uh, LGBTQ community, there's always been a lot of opportunities, you know, to, to really stand up. Um, and I, I never really viewed that part of my life as anything other than I have brown eyes. I mean, it's just part of who I am. This to me is my next calling. This is what I'm supposed to be doing is to help others find this freedom. And it is, it is available. Mm -hmm. And if you'll do the work, it is absolutely irritating. taking. You've got so much to offer, Lenny. Um, I'm going to break through the silence. I've just said like you, when, when I discovered that you were signed up for coach training, like the feeling in my own body of like, oh my goodness, like this, this is how impactful this stuff is. And what you described about breaking those generational cycles, that to me, there's nothing more important. And to help people to wake up to their lives and to to be able to experience them in a way that where they can be fully present. Yes, we're not always fully present 100% of the time. But to be able to start to recognize what that place is and to touch it more often, you know, I loved how you described the joy that you're feeling and that the interaction with your wife, you know, it's not that we've necessarily missed, like those things have always been there, but we just haven't been present to them. And so for me, there's no more important work than helping other people to uh to see what's real and what's really true for them as individuals. So, so I'm, I, I was so thrilled. It's like one of those moments of like jumping around the room. Like I couldn't think of anybody, you know, more ready for this. And so yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm so excited to see how this plays out for you. 
Well, that gives me just so much confidence and I, I so appreciate your, your kind words. Um, you know, as I've gone through this program and, and one of the most amazing things is the community. Uh, you know, it's one thing to have, you know, the live call and get that coaching or, you know, receive something whilst one of your pathmates is getting coached, but having that dialogue and these relationships that have come out of that. So many folks months and months ago before I even contemplated that, oh, you would be a good coach. I was like, ah, yeah, whatever, you know. Um, but as I, I have reflected back, I mean, it's just really been this opportunity to to really share in this experience. I mean, this just this isn't my journey. This is our journey. Yeah. And everybody um, that is in that group and everyone who wants to change their relationship with alcohol, this is a, a collective journey um, mm-hmm. that we're all on. And it's just so exciting. And, you know, I, I have, I have great aspirations of, of, of sharing my, my knowledge and expertise that is yet to come um, with certain parts of, of our community. Um, you know, from a professional perspective, um, alcohol has been a way for a lot of folks to, to climb their way, or as I'd say, drink their way to the top, you know, the, the corporate culture of alcohol. I, I want to help change that because I think it's so important. Um, and I've been beginning to have some conversations in, in my professional life in and around that. And then in the LGBTQ community, um, substance abuse is a real issue because individuals don't have the coping skills to really deal with the rejection uh, that they feel from their families and their communities. And I, I really want to help bridge that gap and, and, and share this experience that, that you can get through those thoughts and you can get through um, life and get the support that you need without substance. And so I'm really hoping to give back to those different communities. Um, and again, anybody else who will listen. I've absolutely no doubt that you're going to create waves, Lenny. And, and you know what? sort of occurred to me as you were talking i'm sat here and i'm thinking whoa like look linny's here with this fire in her belly to go and go on this mission now where did that stem from it stemmed from turning over a piece of paper in a doctor's where someone had bravely put something different on a piece of paper now they didn't even necessarily mention it or vocalize it but you just saw that now that's just one moment in time one tiny Mm. moment in time can you imagine the ripple effect or the waves that will come from, I mean, it's crazy. Like, and we're all doing this. We're planting those seeds everywhere. That doctor just planted that seed, probably didn't even know the impact that he was having. Like you're like, you're going to do the same thing. We don't know. We don't know. I once said to Ellie, it's a little bit like, um, you know, like a lighthouse and, and there's all those boats out there and some of them, they wave at you and they let you know, but there's a whole bunch out there. There's a whole bunch. And sometimes, sometimes we just have to trust they're looking anyway because the moment the light goes out sometimes the the boats are like i don't know where to go so and that that's really worth knowing for the journey and uh i i have every you know you use the word confidence there i mean absolutely buddy like mm-hmm. you know i just to echo exactly what ellie said i can't think of anyone more ready and um it's been our privilege to be on the journey with you it's going to be our privilege to see how this grow how you grow and evolve and and what an amazing way for us to loop back and have a conversation again 
once you've been through TNMI, mm-hmm. once you've you know had that experience and you you've got more clarity around what that's going to look like and how you're going to use your amazing voice. Yeah, I just think that's I mean this is the beginning. Like in the way this is the thing, right? In in a funny way like we're moving towards like what might feel like an ending towards like with the path, but it it isn't. You know, with every ending is a new beginning. Yeah. And um I know that all your pathmates are going to be so freaking proud of you as well, pal. And uh I mean, oh. you know, I don't need to say that. They're going to tell you. <laughs> but um it's just so nice to to share in this. Oh, you know, Sammy always tells us to trust what we know, right? And I know that this was part of my existence. This is this is this is what I know is that this is my next chapter, and I am just honestly so grateful that I was led here. And I did reach out to my healthcare provider um, because I I, I wanted yeah. to mention their name, and, and um, I had told this individual I through our, my chart, you know, and over here, I don't know if y'all have my chart over in the UK, but you can email and look at your medical records and whatnot here in the States. And I let them know, Hey, I, I started the live alcohol experiment. You know, I'm on day 15. This is really cool. And he's like, Oh, that's great. Let me know how it goes. And then I, I know, Hey, I'm going into the path. And then, you know, I knew I was going to be on this. I reached out, I said, Hey, I would really like to, um, you know, give you some credit here. And he said, you know, that would be fine, but I'm not currently AM. And I said, okay, well, no worries. I I, I want to give you credit for you handed me a piece of paper that changed my life. Yeah. And so doctor, you know who you are. And and I think it's fantastic. And I just um I am thrilled to be a part of this institution mm-hmm. and um really excited to contribute in any way that I can. Well, thank you for coming and sharing that. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're we're so excited to hear where this goes, and we look forward to the next time we get to sit and have this conversation, pal. Well, thank you both. It's it's been a, a privilege to walk home with you. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Lenny, and th- thank God for my my voice because I've just got to sit and absorb it. And it's just been truly wonderful. So, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much, Lenny. Wow, oh, thank you both. It's a privilege. Well, Linny, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. That's such an inspirational story. And just what an amazing thing. Like we can go from, you know, feeling like we don't quite know the way out the maze to literally helping people find their way out the maze so quickly with the with the level of understanding that is now available in, in certain areas. Like what me and Ellie are trying to present on the podcast to the best of our ability, what we're doing in our groups, what This Naked Mind are doing, what you're going to find around so many places now. There's so many different ways to find freedom from alcohol and then start giving back, which is just the ultimate paying it forwards um, when we realise just how incredible an alcohol-free life can be. Hey team, you have one amazing week and we'll see you soon. <laughs>